All right, Faith Promise, how you guys doing this weekend, huh? Come on. Man, it's a great weekend. God is moving. want to welcome you to all of our campuses from Pellissippi to North Knoxville to Blount County to Campbell County to Anderson County, UT Downtown Campus. If you're with us on the internet, we're thrilled that you chose to worship with us. You picked a great time to be with us this weekend. We're in the third week of what we call a Month of Miracles. And the title of this series is Faith Without Borders. And God has moved in so many ways and so many people already across campuses. It has just been such a cool deal. This weekend, we're talking about restoration, about, you know, people coming back to God, coming to each other. That's what we're talking about. And restoration costs. Walking with faith without borders costs, whether it is God, it's our faith and being reconciled to God, or it's being reconciled to other people that you are separate from, it costs. And freedom is never free, is it? It's just never free. Now, we know that, Memorial Day, that Veterans Day is coming uh, this weekend, and so if you've served in any branch of the military in the United States of America, would you just stand? If you, all of our campuses, go ahead and stand every campus. Come on, gang, let's give them a hand. Way to go. Way to go. Now, we honor our veterans and, and those of us who are born again. We are Christ followers, and he is the ultimate veteran. He is called by the prophet Isaiah a dread champion. He is the ultimate warrior, and he went to war with death and hell. He went to war to restore us to the Father. That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he rose from the grave, and he bought our freedom on the cross. And it's just the glorious story of all generations. So as we hit the third weekend, again of this series, God's been moving in lots of ways. It, actually, only heaven will record all the miracles that we will see in these four weeks and things that will happen in the weeks and months of years to follow because of what God has done. So in this series, in this month of miracles, if God has touched you, if you've been healed, if things have been restored, God has answered prayer, God has blessed you financially, God has blessed any of the ways in which we've been praying every weekend, do me a favor and send it to Faith Promise. Just email it to us. We're, we're amassing the stack of stories we do every year. And so, man, people just get to rejoice with that, and it is just so cool. So we're talking about faith without borders and God expanding our borders. Now, after two messages, do y'all believe that God wants to expand our borders? Twelve of you. Does God want to expand our borders? Amen. Man, as he has called us to live a life of faith, to walk a life like of faith, one of the reasons we don't want to walk a life of faith is because faith is risky. It involves us believing and stepping into deep waters, uncharted, uncharted waters. We get, God has called us out to where we've never been before as he expands our borders, whether it's in a relationship with him, in a relationship with our family, whether it is, whether it is a spiritually he's giving you a new view of him, another, another facet of God's love and God's power, whether he's blessing you financially or he's Jehovah Rapha, he has healed you, he's brought a prodigal home, he has moved, he's opened a door, he's provided, he has given you a job. However God does, God is always about expanding our borders. He never stops. Do y'all believe that? Because God is at work. He never sleeps. He's always moving that. And so we as Christ followers are to be marked with a life of love and sacrifice and faith. Amen? That is faith in God. 
That is building God's kingdom, and that is being a part of building God's church. They come first. Now, we know next weekend is the Heart for the Harvest miracle offering, and I'm just convinced, I'm going to tell you right now as your pastor, we're going to have the $1.5 million after that offering next week. Anybody believe it with me? Amen. We're going to have it. I just absolutely just committed, just believe it's going to happen. And, and I got to tell you, I hate it when I get out-sacrificed. Because as, as your pastor, the only way I know to lead is by example. And so last weekend I shared with you that, that God had laid on me to get my Corvette, get my car, and find something cheaper to drive. And, and I got a, lot of, got a lot of interesting things because many of you believe that God was leading me to give you my Corvette and not the church. And that Corvette's going to Jesus or me. If, you know, if, if, if anybody's going to have it, it's going to be me. And if not me, it's going to be him. And he, he's got it. So we're, we've given that to him. And I met with one of our missionaries this week. He said, I got to talk to you. And he said, hey, my wife and I have been praying. And he said, we want to give our house. <laughs> it really makes a plastic car pretty puny when somebody's going to give a house. And so I said, dude, man, that is amazing. Really, that house is probably one-tenth of the $1.5 million. So we're already 10% there. God is moving. God is man, God, People are talking to me, and they're emailing me about what God is doing. And so our church, church is 19 years old, and we have been marked by 19 years of sacrifice for Jesus and for his kingdom. Have we not? That's been what we've done. We've sacrificed. When Michelle and I first got here, uh, early in the life, the church was, was meeting, and they had a place, but they'd never had a, a pastor, preaching pastor. And so I came in, and the first thing I did, they had 12.2 acres, and it had debt. And I said, let's pay that off. We're going to take up an offering. And they did. They paid that off. And then as we moved, we took other offerings, and then we built the first balcony, and we, we paid that off. We took an offering, and then we really started what we call in Heart for the Harvest, and we built Blount County Cash and North Knox Cash, and we finished Pellissippi of the last couple of million dollars cash, and, and we've been able to do so many things. And then other things around the world, just actually too many for me to even remember. One of the things we did last year is we planted, a, we planted uh, I think it was 100 it may be more, churches in Pakistan. God is moving around the world. He's moving. He's moving. And so all of that, we are one church. It doesn't matter what campus you go to. We are one church, seven locations. We are one church with many rooms, but we all have a heart for God and for sacrifice and to build God's kingdom. Is that still true of us? Is that still true of us? And so we are, and we steward all that God has given us, and, and it is just amazing. Well, we're, we're talking this weekend about God restoring broken relationships. Broken relationships with God, broken relationships within your family, broken relationships where we've been praying uh, this weekend that God would bring the prodigals home, and God is about doing that. And so that's, that's, what, it's, that's what it's about. Now, some of you at all of our campuses, some of you are here this weekend, and you know that you're a prodigal from God. And you know that God is calling you, that God is drawing. You already know it. Matter of fact, your pulse is beginning to, beginning to pick up right now. You know that this is for you. And you know that you're separated from God, and you know that you really need to have a relationship with the Lord. And so we're going to do this weekend, although this is not the hallmark of the weekend, uh, but every baptistry at every campus is hot. And ready, 
We have clothes, we have shorts and t-shirts and towels. And so if you know, you just already know, God's already been dealing with you, that you're separated, that you need to be saved. Anytime during the service, I just want you to get up or at any of our campuses. I want you to get up and go to the back, and there'll be somebody waiting for you at the back door at every campus. And somebody will pray with you and make sure that you've given your heart to Jesus, and then you can follow the Lord in believers' baptism. We might baptize one. We might baptize 50. We might not baptize anybody. But we want to give the opportunity as we talk about people coming back to God. Amen? Or coming to God. So let's pray. Father, we come to you in the strong name of Jesus. And Lord, there are some people with all 5,500 of us this weekend that are in all of our locations. There are people that are far from you, and you've been drawing them, and you've been convicting them, and you brought them this weekend. And God, you are touching them right this second that they need to be saved. And so God, I pray they'll have the faith to walk to the back door that somebody will be there and somebody will pray with them and take them to the changing room and that this weekend they can go public with their new faith in Jesus. So God, would you just defeat the devil, defeat the liar, defeat all the foes of hell, and would you just unleash your Holy Spirit's move this weekend? In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? So at every campus, you give him praise, church. You guys can make your way back. Now, this is an odd scripture as we think about restoring broken relationships. Matter of fact, I was working at my son Zach's house. He bought a sort of a fixer-upper, and so we've been fixing her upper. And uh, I was talking to him, well, it was Monday night or something. I said, man, I'm really struggling about the passage for this weekend. He said, what's the, what's the topic? I said, it's, it's prodigals coming back. He said, man, I've just been in Luke chapter 7 and the sinful woman. He said, man, just check that out in your quiet time. So I did. The next morning, I began to meditate on this part of Luke chapter 7. Just felt like God wanted me to share with you out of this story this weekend because God is all about restoration, is he not? And in, in Luke 7, he gives us a revelation of restoration. He gives us a pattern of bringing people or bring, to himself and people to people. So let's read it starting in verse 36. It's an amazing story. Now, if you've got subtitles in your Bible, those are not inspired. Somebody stuck them in there, and right in the middle of this passage, there's a subtitle, but it is one story. Now, one of the, verse 36, Luke 7. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house, Jesus, and reclined at the table. There was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, this is a Pharisee judging Jesus. <laughs> How ludicrous. And so, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii. That's about two years worth of a salary. And the other, 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave both of them. So which one of them would love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one he forgave more. And he said to him, you've judged correctly. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? 
I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she has since the time I came in not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who are reclining at the table with her began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It requires faith to expand borders. This woman has now entered a relationship with God. She has been saved by her faith. Now, now, there's two main players at the, uh, there in the, in the living room. There's Simon, and there is the woman. The problem is both of them had a broken relationship with God, but only one of them knew it. And this is huge. See, the woman who was a sinner, calls her a sinner twice in this passage. The word sinner in this passage means devoted to sin, enslaved or ensnared by sin. Now, she is, she's enslaved by her sin. Simon is enslaved by his pride. He's the expert about God. He's a Pharisee. He fasted two days a week. He gave 10% of everything, he, every dime that walked in his door. He had the entire Bible memorized. All 37 books of the Old Testament, every one of them he had memorized. I mean, this guy knew it, but he was an expert and he was blinded by his pride. Let me tell you, the number one destroyer of relationships. Are you ready? If you're listening, say I am. The number one destroyer is pride. It destroys your relationship with God. It keeps you from coming to God. And it destroys your relationship with your biological family, with your spiritual family, with your friends, with people at work and whatever. Let me give you a, a, a series of words just that I thought about in, in what pride does. Pride makes you blame everyone else and never take responsibility, doesn't it? It's not my fault. Pride makes you deny, man, it, you know, it, it's denial. Pride makes you close-minded that you could be wrong or the relationships are bro- broken. Pride causes you to be rigid. Pride causes you to be insecure. And pride causes you to isolate yourself from everybody else. Now, this guy, Simon, was full of pride. And he, because he was full of knowledge. And the Bible says knowledge puffs up. And he was so puffed up that he judges Jesus. As he said to himself, if Jesus were a prophet, he would know what sort of woman this is. Let me tell you, Simon said at his house, with all the people gathered around him, he looked at Jesus and judged Jesus. He looked at the woman, he judged the woman. He judged everybody and he saw himself as needing nothing. Does that make sense? Pride. He's right, everybody else is wrong. See, Simon saw himself better than the sinful woman. He was better than her. He was better than Jesus. Listen, when you see yourself as better than the people around you, there is no hope for restoration. Does that make sense? When you see everybody as lesser 
than you. There's no restoration when you view others that way. Many of us view our spouse that way. I'm better. The people who work for you are with you. People in your small group, people at church, your kids, your neighbors, people in the ball team. We begin to get this spirit of, of I'm better than everyone else, and that pride divides us from everyone else. What I love about this passage, or one of the things that I love most about this, is the, the woman, the sinner, we don't even know her name. We, she assumes the posture of restoration or the posture of repentance. And the posture is humility. When pride goes in, God goes out. There's no real restoration between God and people or between people and people without humility. Would you all agree with that? You know, the prodigal, home, prodigal son came home. He was restored to the father, but he was not restored to the older brother because the older brother was better than him, or so he thought. So there's no restoration with, with the brothers because one of them saw himself as so far superior to the other. Now, I would love to talk. I'd love to interview the, the woman that we find in Luke chapter 7. And, the, the, and I'll probably get a chance to. I'll get to talk to her in heaven. I probably won't get a chance to talk to Simon unless something changed after this, sometime after this in Simon's life because the woman was forgiven. And what I love about it is, is she had to have a plan. In verse 37, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she learned that he, Jesus, was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. She'd heard about Jesus, and then Jesus is in her town. She hears that Jesus is at Simon's house. She runs home. She gets the most expensive possession that she has, and she runs to Simon's house. She's got a plan. She's going to confront Jesus with her sinfulness. She is going to, she's going to seek forgiveness and restoration because, see, she realized that she was separated from God. The first and greatest miracle that God does for us is give us a revelation, a realization that we are separated from Him. And when we see that, then we can turn by faith and, and expand our borders into a relationship with God. See, she knew that she was separated from God. She was full of, of guilt and she's full of shame. She won't even look Jesus in the eyes. But see, she took a step of faith. When she got to Simon's house, she did not know what Simon would do. Because if it was left up to Simon, she'd have booted the sinful woman out, wouldn't she? She told him to hit the told her to hit the bricks. Get out of my house. But see, she was she was there because she again realized that she was separated from God. And some of us are in the same boat at all of our campuses this weekend. You are separated from God. Or you could be a believer and you're separated from people that are in your life or should be in your life. You're separated from them. Why? Because something happened and, and nobody's willing to apologize. Nobody's willing to repent. Nobody's willing to assume the position that this sinful woman assumed. We, we just don't like that. And so there are a lot of us separated for a lot of reasons. Matter of fact, there's some of us this weekend separated from people and we're clueless. We may live in the same house with people that we're separated from because of emotional issues and we don't even know that we're separated. Does that make sense? And there's some women in the room saying, boy, you have hit the nail on the head, my husband, man. He's an emotional dodo bird. I mean, you know. But look at the posture of the, of the woman. Look what she does. 
And that we could spend an hour just with what she did. In verse 38, standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wash his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. She had the posture of worship. She had the posture of repentance. She had the posture of humility. See, remember, Jesus is not sitting in a chair. Jesus is reclining at the table, and he's sitting at the table eating, and his feet are here, and the woman is kneeling behind Jesus, and she is overcome with her guilt, and she is weeping. She can't stop crying, and she's wet his feet. The dust, you can begin to see the tears, the trails running down the dust, and she has nothing. So she wipes his feet with her hair, and then she takes this bottle of perfume, and she begins to anoint his feet, and she's weeping, and she's kissing his feet. She is worshiping. And it's the posture of worship. It's the posture of repentance. It is the posture of restoration. And while she was being reconciled to God because of her faith and her repentance, Simon was separated from God. Simon was so blind. Listen, the Son of God was on his couch. And he was judging him. Who does he think he is? Well, if Jesus were a prophet, he'd known what kind of sleaze bucket this is in the house. He'd know what kind of woman this is. If he was a really a man of God, he'd be kicking her out. He'd be, he'd be thrashing her because that's what religion does. It beats people up while Jesus is loving on people. That's what he does. And so Jesus looks at Simon, the religious expert, separated from God. He looks at this, this woman that is devoted to sin, and she's being reconciled to God, and Simon is separated from God, and Jesus takes a teachable moment. And in verse 40, he said, Simon, I've got something to say. I want to tell you a story, Simon. Jesus just looks all around him, and, and he said, a moneylender had two debtors, verse 41, and one owed 500 denarii, the other 50. They were both unable to repay. He graciously forgave them both. So which one would love more? And Simon said, well, I suppose it would be the one that's forgiven more. See, the, the woman knew she had tons to be forgiven for, didn't she? Simon didn't need to be forgiven. Because, see, Simon was righteous in his own eyes. And there are a lot of people, listen, that are righteous in their own eyes, but they are not righteous in God's eyes. And your eyes don't count. Are you with me? His eyes are the only one that count. They're, they're the ones that make the difference. See, I know that my, I had a pile of stinking sin that was piled all the way up to heaven, and God forgave me. And so I love him with everything that I am. A lot of other people say, well, Chris, I got saved when I was eight. The worst thing I ever did was smoke an orange crayon. And, man, I never said a cuss word. And, man, I never did this. And I was a virgin when I got married. And, and the Lord didn't have much to forgive me of. You've never read your Bible, have you? <laughs> See, the reason that some people, some people don't love the Lord much and some people don't love people much is because they look at their life and they say, you know, I really didn't have that much to be forgiven for. But all of our hearts are black. And all of us would separate it from God. And if we've broken one law, the Bible says we've broken all the law. And we are separated from God. And we are, we are doomed to destruction. But God in his love and mercy sent his only begotten son to die for us. And it is the cool deal. 
So if you think, well, I don't, you know, I don't love much because, you know, I've been in church all my life. God, hasn't, God doesn't have much to forgive me for. I want to challenge you. Take about two or three hours, get you a legal pad and two pens because one won't be enough. And just say, God, I want you to list everything that you've forgiven me for. I want you to remind me of things in my life. And you just begin getting ready to get a little writer's cramp. And when you get done, you'll learn that you also need to love God a bunch. Because if you've been forgiven a bunch, you're supposed to love a bunch. Is that right? Come on, somebody give God some praise in the house. Now, this is, this is the deal. God is speaking to people at every campus. Some of you know you're separated from God. Listen, you know it. Some of you are separated from people that you have loved or that you love. Some of you are not talking to your neighbor or the ball team or somebody in your class or somebody at work. They've copped an attitude. You've copped an attitude. Man, they're mad and you're mad. And, and I'm not going to say I'm sorry because, see, I was, I'm right. You know, pride, works, pride worries about being right while humility, work, humility works on restoring relationships. And you go ahead and be right and lose the relationship. And so what does he end up in verse 50? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love it. See, to live life of faith, a life of faith without borders, it's risky. Again, she did not know, the sinful woman did not know what would happen, whether Jesus would reject her because she felt so, she felt so guilty, she felt so ashamed, so small, so unworthy. She did not know what would, she did not know what would happen, how he would respond, but she took a leap of faith. She took a risk of faith that she got in the posture of repentance and restoration, and God brought about a great miracle, and she was saved in that living room while Simon, the religious dude, stayed there lost, judging Jesus. At all of our campuses, some of you, God is speaking to you, and some of you are judging others in, in, in whatever campus you're going to. Come on, guys. It's the will of God to bring prodigals home. It's the will of God to restore relationships. It's the will of God to restore families. It's the will of God to move in people's lives. That's what God wants to do. Amen? It's, it's what God is all about. It's why Jesus came, so that we can be restored to the Father, and then we can be restored to each other. See, the heart for the harvest offering is all about get putting us in a better footing. You see greater amounts of restoration. See more and more people come to the Lord. Does that make sense? That's why, that's, why we, that's why we take it to repair as we plant other campuses, as we expand, as, as we do more mission work, as we, as we have more orphanages and all the stuff that we do. It just gives us an opportunity. So let me tell you what, let me, we're going to be done in just a minute. But we've done something new because of, because of the car and other people saying, I want to give some stuff. Aaron, our CFO, and Mallory, that we, you can go to our website now. And if you want to give anything, you can give it. You can give houses. You can give land. You can give cars. You can give cell phones. You can give whatever you want to give. Now, some of you say, well, you know, I really want to give my heart for Harvest Pastor, but I don't have I, just, I don't have any cash. And listen, there's a lot of ways to give. Most of the Bible, they never gave cash. Isn't that right? And so go to our website and look at the, just go to the giving and go there and look and see what God might lay on your heart. Because listen, next weekend, everybody needs to walk in every house in every location of faith promise and be, and, and sacrifice. Amen? Is it amen? Come on, somebody help me. I, man, y'all going to ruin my week. Are we going to, come on. <clears throat> and so that's the deal. Now, I like all the campus pastors to come forward at all of our campuses if you guys would come. 
And band, if you guys would come out, praise team, if you guys would, would, would go ahead and get in place, Dylan. And all, whatever campus you're at, if you praise guys would get in place and campus pastors. Because what we're going to do is we're going to pray for prodigals. And this is the deal. The number one prodigal is people that are separated from God. They've never been born again. And so if you've never given your heart to Jesus, again, you can go to the back and there'll be somebody waiting for you to talk to you. That's, that's that at every campus, there'll be somebody. Now, what, what else, what, the other thing we're going to do is we're going to, we've got stations at every campus, and the campus pastor is going to give you some instruction in just a minute after I pray. And if you've got a prodigal, and you need to, you want to come and be prayed for every weekend, we, and people have come forward, come backwards for prayer. If you want, you know, hey, my family's separated, or, or, or my, my son, my daughter's gone, we don't know where they are, or whatever, then, then I want to encourage you to just come and, and, and say, just tell one of our pastors, one of our prayer warriors who's going to pray for you. But let me, let, me, let me give you one other thought about a prodigal. Because when we talk about prodigals, most people think about prodigals as people that left you, right? People that left you, people that hurt you. I want to I wanna, I wanna flip that coin as we think about prodigals. What about the people that you left? What about the people that you hurt? Because, see, we always focus on people that got us, don't we? Come on, let's be real. But I want to I wanna give the Spirit of God an opportunity to speak to your heart about the people that we've walked away from, the doors that we've walked out of, the people that we have hurt, the people that we need to, that we need to assume the position of the sinful woman in Luke 7, and we need to go in humility and ask somebody to forgive us. Man, listen, that's, that's what the kingdom of God is all about. Amen? And so these pastors are going to be in our prayer warriors at all of the stations. And whatever you need to pray for, whatever relationship that's broken or prodigal that needs to come home or, or, or what you're asking God to do, I want you to just, just get up in just a second and go. And campus pastors, I'm going to pray, and then you guys give instruction for your campus of where those folks are supposed to go. But listen, does our God answer prayer? Does our God answer prayer? Then let's, let's pray. Let's drop our pride, let's go ask for prayer, and let's believe God to move in great ways. Faith without borders is believing and knowing that God can and God will. Father, we come to you now in the strong name of Jesus. God, there are some, there are some miracles, there are some mountains that people just don't even believe can be worked out. They don't believe that, that, God, you can do it. But in the name of Jesus, you can do it. You can move the mountain. You can open the door. You can restore relationships. You can bring the prodigal home. You can save the lost, God. You can restore faith and love, God. You can and you will and you are. And so right now, God, I speak faith over every campus, over every individual. Lord, we speak life and we speak hope. And God, I pray that because of this month of miracles that our church is never the same. So holy God, we ask you to move in power. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, now you see the stations. You guys can just can, can go ahead and get up where you are. Come and let folks pray for you as we worship.